Good morning. Good morning, brother. We're in Psalms 119. It's the second Sunday. As you guys know, we do Psalm Sunday on the second Sunday. Uh, Van began that, uh, I don't know, a while ago. And, uh, and then, as you know, Van moved on. Not like he died. If you, <laughs> that might have sounded bad if you don't know Van. Van moved to Lee Summit. Moved on to bigger and better things. Uh, anyway, he's, he's serving the Lord there. And uh, so I have taken over. And I'll remind you again, it's not just me that has taken over. We're going to use Second Sundays to get uh, some other men kind of trained up in, in pulpit ministry and in preaching. And so I know there's some men that need to get on that list. And there's some men that have gotten on that list. And so maybe you need to be praying about that. All right, let's, uh, let's get into Psalms 119. We're going we're gonna to be in, as a reminder, the way that Psalm 119 is broken down, if you're new to it, is that it's the longest chapter in the Bible, number one. It, it, it uh, has 176 verses broken down into eight-verse blocks. And every eight-verse block is, is headlined by uh, a letter from the Hebrew alphabet, so it works through the Hebrew alphabet. So like the first block, if we were doing it in English, would be obviously A. Second block would be B and then C. And it works through the Hebrew alphabet that way. But then each verse, if you were able to read it in Hebrew, if you were uh, reading you know, the very first block, each verse in that block would begin with the letter A. So there would be eight verses, all beginning with a word that begins with the letter A. And then in the next eight, eight verses, all of those eight verses would begin with B if we were doing this in English, right? So uh, that's the way that it breaks down if you're reading it in Hebrew. So when you do read in Hebrew, you're seeing this just incredibly beautiful uh, poetry in the way that it's built. And, and for some people, you would say, well, then do we lose something by having it in English? And the answer is no, because God perfectly preserved his word as he translated it and delivered it to us in English. So we have the words that he wanted us to have. We have exactly what he wanted to give us. Uh, we just don't, yeah, we don't have that poetic part of it. But you can pick that up by reading a commentary or reading someone else's work on it without actually having to read in Hebrew. I don't read Hebrew. It's like, it's like, it's all Greek to me. So it's like, I don't know. But this week, it's the letter, it's, it's called Zane, is, the, is that letter of the alphabet. And so if we were reading in Hebrew, you would see that every verse began with, I guess, what would kind of be equivalent to a Z for us. I honestly have no idea I say that because you say it, Zane. So like I said, I'm no Hebrew expert. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to read the verses through in English. Uh, verses 49 to 56 is where we're at. And then we'll pray and we'll start breaking some of this down. So let's look at verse 49. Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. The proud have had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from thy law. I remembered thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night. I have kept thy law. I have, uh, this I had because I kept thy precepts. Let's pray and ask God to help us as we look at this. God, we do ask for your help, and we ask that you would guide us as we come into your word. God, it's your word, and, and we need your help to understand it. Lord, so 
So meet with us. I, I do pray that you would speak to hearts and lives as we work through this. In Jesus' name, amen. If you remember back to last time we did this, a month ago, we were, uh, you know, uh, just ahead of this, and uh, we looked at the idea of finding confidence. That was our theme last time, and, and David was declaring uh, just, just ways to gain confidence in the Lord, and we worked through that. Now, in this section here, uh, the idea of comfort comes up twice right off the bat. And so our theme for this next section is going to be finding comfort. So this is what we're looking at today. So confidence was about being able to, uh, to speak, being able to engage in a hard thing, being able to do things that maybe we uh, didn't feel comfortable with. But now comfort is a different thing. And I think we know that. Comfort is about uh, finding peace, finding uh, some, some, it's like someone who would come around us. It's like that hug that you need. When, when it's just been a hard day, right? Comfort. So in the introduction, in verse 49, David starts by actually making a request to God, which I always, some of these requests seem a little odd, a little off. Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope, is the way that David begins. And it seems odd because David is challenging God to remember his own word. And you're like, wait, but he's almighty God. And it's his word. He won't forget his word. But this is, you know, so it, it can seem a bit weird, but actually it's really practical. and I think it's really real. And I think we've seen that a number of times as we've been working through Psalms 119, how real David is. Because we do that too. Right? We'll have, we'll have oh Lord, don't fail me now. Oh God, remember that promise. Oh God, you're, you're a God of your word. We'll start, we'll just... Maybe you don't do it. I do it. There's times where I'll just give God's word back to him. I'm like, you said it. We sing it. If you said it, I believe it. And then, we, you know, we have those type of, of kind of mindsets where we just also want to remind God of, of what he said. And so that's where David begins. Can God forget his word? Can God forget his promises? And the obvious answer is no. But this is a very real and very practical request. And I just love that David is willing to, to open his heart and open his life and say, look, there are times when I struggle. Last time he was saying, there were times when I struggle with confidence, which seems weird coming from a guy who killed a giant. And now he's like, there are times when I struggle with comfort, which also seems weird coming from the guy who wrote the Psalms, which is a place where a lot of us find comfort. But David is real, and, and David's relationship to the Lord was real. And I love that because the reality is, is that even with a walk with God, even with a relationship with the Lord, not everything is perfect. People think, well, I'm not perfect, so I can't come to the Lord. Listen, there's no perfect people in the Lord. I mean, we're perfect because God made us perfect, but we struggle daily, and David did too. And even the idea of finding, finding comfort. So he's crying out, God, I have this hope in your word. Your word has caused me to hope. And so David is, is referring back and remembering a, a specific promise from God, which gave him hope. And as he remembers it, he's crying out and asking God that would remember it too. And the promise, I think, is just the simple promise that God gave him that he would forever have a king from David that would sit upon his throne. So in a number of places in the Old Testament, God makes that promise to David and then again to Solomon that he would have this eternal kingdom, all right? It's a wild promise when you really think about it. 
that there would be a man from David who will sit on a throne forever. Now, we know that ultimately that promise does get fulfilled in Jesus. David doesn't know this at the time when he's writing it. Jesus comes from David, David's line, and becomes the eternal king that will sit on a throne. But if you were here last week, or maybe it's last week or the week before, Sam reminded us also on, uh, in our Genesis study that, that David himself is getting a throne in Zion. So even David himself, though he didn't know it at the time, is going to be a fulfillment of this prophecy where he will sit too on a throne. But he, what he's asking God is remember that promise. Remember the promise that you made. So in, in one way, I think as David gets into this, he's in a number of times, David's life was in danger. Aside from being a, a warrior, he was also a target of just some enemies that were trying to kill him. And David's going, hey, God, I'm taking that promise as uh, a promise that you're going to watch over my life. And he's just reminding God that, God, my life's in your hands. You said you were going to do this uh, throne thing forever. So I just got to trust you with it. And there are things that will come up in our life that will be like that, where we will look at what God says. And then we'll look at what's going on in our life right now. And we go, I'm not really sure how these two align. Because I know that God made this promise. But I see the mess that I'm in right now. And the best response is just to turn to God and go, I see your promise. You just got to do it. And so David is beginning by, by saying uh, that, that he trusts in the Lord. He, he, brings, he gets his hope from the Lord. The, the last stanza, we saw the, the sure mercies of David. If you remember that from a, a month back, we talked about that. We'll see that again and soon. It's in Acts 13. Uh, but this stanza leads us into the more sure word that God has given. In 2 Peter, Peter talks about the, the fact that he heard the, the very voice of God as he met with God. And then Peter says that the written word, the word given, is actually a more sure word. So David himself had, more sure, had sure mercies, but David also understood the surety of the word of God. And that is going to be one of the keys that we see in this idea of finding comfort is that we have a more sure word. So even back to where we started, it's not written in Hebrew, and you don't see the poetic portion of it. But you know what? We have a more sure word, even than, than Peter himself, who heard God speak. You can trust what was written. And so he points us to that. And so David begins with the hope that is found in the word and the promises of God as he leads us from there into this key concept that we'll see today, which is comfort. So he begins with, I find hope in your word. God, you remember your promises. And then in verse 50, he says, and this is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. So real quickly, I want to ask us, what is comfort? I briefly made mention, it's like, you know, it's the idea of maybe someone coming around you or, you know, you have different ways of thinking about comfort. It's like a, a hug or maybe it's a, it's a blanket. It's a food, right? We have comfort, comfort food. We all know that's the food you shouldn't be eating. Um, some of y'all look like you've had more comfort than others. We're talking about comfort foods. But, uh, you know, so we get these different ideas. They're the things that make us feel safe. They're the things that make us feel secure. The things that, that help us to forget about the day. Like, it's been a rough day, so I just need french fries and macaroni and cheese. Or whatever your comfort food is. Like, 
you know, I need a, I need a, a glass of wine and some ice cream. It's like whatever your deal is, right? You got your comfort food and you get there and then afterwards you're like, I feel better. And then at bedtime, you're like, I don't feel so great. I probably shouldn't have done all that fried chicken right at bedtime, right? But what is that? What really is comfort? Biblically, when we look at comfort, the very first time that word appears is in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 29. And Genesis 5, 29 says, and, and he, talking about the, the father of Noah, and he called his name Noah, saying, this same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord God has cursed. So this is the very first time that we see comfort in the Bible. And uh, if you've been around Bible study a little bit, you've heard this idea that, that God establishes patterns the first time he brings something up. That God is a consistent God. So we have what we call the rule of first mention. When God says something, usually what he does is he sets for us a, the example of how that will be used forever or what that means from his perspective. All right. So, so comfort shows up for the first time with Noah, which is interesting if you know the story of Noah, because things are going to get very uncomfortable for the world. Noah's name actually means rest. And so this is the, the key. This is how we would need to understand comfort biblically. Comfort is finding rest from the curse. Okay. And this is, this is how comfort actually works. This is what comfort actually is. Comfort is finding rest from the curse. So there's a curse coming. God promised that he's going to flood the whole earth and that all mankind is going to be destroyed because of sin, because of wickedness, which was also a result of the curse that came in Genesis chapter 3. But Noah is going to be a comforter. All right, that's what it tells us. He, he is named rest because he is a comforter concerning the things to come. And so those who were with Noah, if you remember that story, those who were in the ark were the ones who what? Found rest from the curse. They didn't take the consequences of that curse at that time. And so this is what God wants us to see. I think that's uh, great coming on the heels of where we've been in Genesis and looking at rest recently is that God wants us to have rest. God wants us to have rest from the curse as well. It was never God's intention for your life to be a mess, for your heart to be a mess, for your heart to be broken, for sin to rule our world. It was always his idea to bring us in to rest, and still is, and will happen. I'm dry. You're going to have to bear with me. I'm going to need more water in a minute. All right. So the, the ultimate comfort for the church age for us is the Holy Ghost. Right? And Jesus promised that, that the comforter would come. And so he becomes the ultimate comfort from the curse because I won't spend eternity separated from God once I am sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Once I have, have accepted him as my Savior and made him my Lord, the comforter comes. But when you look at the things that the Holy Spirit does in terms of working in our life, they are all means of, of saving us, bringing us rest from the curse. And so that's ultimately the, the obviously the, the final uh, end result of this. And that's where this is pointing. But for David, David was in a different boat. David didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit like we do. 
And a lot of what David's going to talk about here are things that we see this Holy Spirit helping us with in our life today. But David is going to show us uh, actually quite a few ways to find comfort, and we won't actually talk about all of them. So things that bring comfort is what we want to look at. We'll start in verse 50, and it said this, This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. And the obvious answer is that the word brings comfort, but what I want us to look at is actually life. Life brings comfort. Your word has quickened me. And that quickened means made alive. Okay? And so comfort comes from knowing that you have life in Christ. Uh, so this is the great, this is the, the first and, 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 and great place where we can find comfort. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then it is very, very difficult to find true comfort in your life. This is the foundation for comfort. Because without Christ, you actually have no life. You go, but I'm here, I'm breathing, I'm alive. Yeah, but these bodies aren't who we are. God made us as a soul that is eternal, that sits in a body for now. And without Christ, there is no life. How much comfort is there in knowing that you're dead? Not a lot. And so this is where David begins. This is the root of, of, of actually the promise that we saw back in verse 49, the idea that there would be an eternal king. And for an eternal king, there has to be someone living on the throne. And so David is even reflecting back to that and claiming that. So there must be someone alive. Verse 49, uh, as we saw, was the sure word. In verse 50, it's the living word that actually brings us comfort. It's the word of God that, that speaks to us the way that we can know the one who claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. It is by the preaching of the word that men and women know Christ as Savior and get life. It is by the preaching of the word that we, or the reading, or the hearing of the word, that we can actually get comfort. So what could be so bad in your life today that you forgot that you actually have eternal life in Christ today and tomorrow and forever? Put that in perspective. When the day is rough, when the week is rough, when things are going bad, you're like, it's been really tough. I don't think I can make it through today. Of course you can. You have eternal life. You can make it through today because you will make it forever. Today will be hard, but you have eternal life. So keep that perspective when things get tough. That should be the first, foremost, and foundational thing in our life that brings us comfort. When all else fails, Christ's promise did not. And if he is your Savior, or if he ever was your Savior, then he still is your Savior. So there is comfort in that. Obviously, as we said, life comes from God's word. And the, the life-giving word itself should also bring us comfort. So uh, turning into the word can be a, a way that, that we find comfort. But just meditating on that idea that I am already seated with Christ and nothing can separate that relationship. So here's a question. When, when you're distressed or, or stressed or in trouble, do you, do you have a habit of opening up God's word? Like, is that the place that you would think to go to find comfort? It's been a rough day. I need them French fries. 
It's been a rough day. I need a little Psalms. Quite different there. Or maybe, have you ever noticed, if you're like me, then you've noticed that on the mornings when you, maybe you wake up late or like the kids were sleeping in your bed because it was thundering all night and so you didn't sleep good and then you wake up and your kids are in bed and you can't, you just can't get going in the morning so you miss your quiet time and then, and then you realize like, I'm kind of a mess and my day's kind of a mess and I'm like not the person that I know I need to be and things are tough and difficult uh, because I missed my time with the Lord. You ever notice that? Why is that? That's because he brings us comfort every morning because his promises and his mercies are new every day because we have to get into it. His presence, his word, his life. Jeremiah 15, 16, thy words were found and I did eat them. Sounds weird. Poetic license. He's consuming it. And the word was unto me, uh, unto me was, uh, I can't even read. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name. I'm your child. I have your life, O Lord God of hosts. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our knowledge that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have Hope. What's the hope? Life is the, is the, the, the foundational hope. John 6, 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. It is the spirit that gives us life. And then on the, right on the tail end of that, Jesus says, by the way, my words, they are spirit and they are life. So this is the, the, the most important, the foundational place that we can get comfort. If you don't know that Jesus Christ is your Savior, you're going to have a hard time finding real and lasting comfort in your life. James chapter 1, verse 18, of his own will begat he us by the word of truth. We are born, we get life through the word, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creature. So this is the question. Do you meditate on the life that you have in Christ when things are hard? Is the, is the fact that he is forever your father enough to bring you comfort? If you had a, a good relationship with a father or an uncle or, or you know, even a mother, any type of adult in your life as you were growing up, you knew that that person could bring you comfort. Last night, there was a lot of thunder in Lee Summit. And our five-year-old came running in to our room and she's like, I'm scared and I can't sleep in my bed. And she got in our bed. Why? Because there's comfort there. There's comfort with dad. There's comfort with mom. And then the thunder started rumbling again and I felt her scoot all the way right up next to my body. She, she's like this big. Like, I can feel she's like as close as can be. And it's quiet for a while and she wiggles back away a little bit. Thunder comes. Scoots right back over next to me. Do you feel that way with your heavenly father? Is the life that you have in him enough to bring you comfort? Next, let's get on to the next verse. Verse 51, uh, he then says, The proud have had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from thy law. You can actually see that in here, humility brings comfort. We're not going to... Uh, 
build on that. I'm just going to throw that at you. Uh, the proud don't have it, but this is counterintuitive for man, but humility actually brings us comfort as well. So you can, you can work that out uh, later. We'll go on to verse 52, uh, which says this, I remember thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. So again, he, he very specifically tells us of something that brings him comfort, and this time it's history. It's the judgments of old. It's the things that have happened before. I can comfort myself by remembering the things that God has done for me in the past. So not only did he establish me as alive and I have life in him, but as I grow, I just like I can look back at my relationship to my physical father and think about, you know, things we did and fishing or whatever, fun things that you did. You should have the same relationship with God the Father, and you should be able to look back and see the things that he's done before. And because he's been faithful in the past, that should be enough of a promise, enough of a comfort to let you know that he can get you through whatever's going on today. Things aren't going well today, or it's a bad season I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I feel alone. And then we start to ask questions like, does God even care? Does God even remember me? Does God even know what I'm going through? Why is this so hard for me? And what God said is, is, is like, hold up. Don't you remember a few days ago, a few weeks ago? Remember that thing a few months back? Oh, and before that, you remember this? And you remember that other time? And you remember how many times you've actually felt like this before and thought you'd never make it out, and then, and then you always did because of I did that? We should have that in our life because that will bring us great comfort. Living in, in a hard place, uh, living in, in Pakistan with my family, I know for myself and, and for my wife, this is one of those things where uh, it's a really healthy and good habit because you're going to get into some hard times, whether you're in Pakistan or not. You can find hard times here. But being able to look back and to go, oh, yes, okay. And, see, and God even built this into his relationship with his people. As they were wandering through the wilderness, there were times when God would stop them and be like, build an altar, pile up some rocks. Why? Well, you're going to be here 40 years. You're going to have some rough days. You're going to wander. But they wandered in circles, and they would come back around, and they would see those rocks. They'd be like, oh, yeah, remember what happened? And then they'd see that altar, they'd be like, oh, yeah, remember what God did there? That's what God wants you doing in your life, remembering the things that he has done. And when the day gets tough, I pull out the, the, the comfort from the fact that he's already brought me through a lot. He can bring me through this. Psalm 77, verses 11 and 12. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy works and talk of thy doings. Psalms 105.5, remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Psalm 143.5, I remembered the days of old, I meditate on all thy works, and I muse on the works of thy hands. It's like David just piles it on there. He's like, I remember it, I meditate on it, and I muse like, those are all about the same. Yeah, they're similar. But he's like, hey, just so you know, in every way possible, I'm just hanging on to what God has done in the past. I remember it. So I think on it. I call it to mind. I'm mindful. Mindfulness is a really popular thing in our society right now. The idea of just uh, getting in, like, understanding who you are, getting in touch with you and 
being Zen or meditating, uh, there's, there are some benefits, you know, to, to slowing down and to thinking and to meditating, but uh, that's a big part of our culture uh, that gets pushed. A lot of it is, um, you know, ultimately without true life and true hope, the meditating by itself won't help. This is where we should be meditating. That's what, that's what David tells us. And he says, I muse on it. it, it also, that means literally to put forth and to speak and to sing. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But listen, because of the curse, your mind needs to be renewed. Remember we said that comfort is, is rest from the curse? Then why do I need to be reminded of what God has already done? Because I forget that easily. Because it's easy for me to look at the now and think it's all, it's, it's the end of the world. It's coming now. Because that's, a, that's a, a, a curse result. God tells us, you need to be renewing your mind. You need to be washing that mind. Adam didn't have to deal with that in the beginning. We do. So this is how comfort brings us, uh, again, a, 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 a rest in the curse. So this is key. Having your mind stayed on God will drive out the thoughts that bring you down. Having your mind stayed on God will drive out the thoughts that bring you down. You'll get there. No worries. You're good. You're doing great. Yeah, keep, it'll come up. There's that verse we just read. There's some mindfulness. That's what the world tells you it is now. There you go. Right here? Okay. Let me catch up. Sorry about that. No worries. Can we full screen this and just click through the slides? No worries. No worries. All right. So, that, so here's a practical application of that. What do we do with that? Number one, you should be keeping a journal. Everybody should journal. You should, have a, you should sit down in the morning when you open up your word. You should also open up a blank page and have a pen. One, because God wants to talk to you. God wants to show you something out of his word, and he wants you to be ready to catch it. There's been so many times where uh, I leave my journal in my bedroom, and I'm always up before my wife, so I'm like, I'm not going to go back in after it, and then I'll sit down, and I'll, be, I'll be reading. I'm like, man, this is good, and that's good, and that's good. And I'm like, I'll remember it, and then I'll write it down. Guess what? I never remember it, and then I need it later. I'm like, I know there was something so good, and I read four chapters this morning. It was in one of them. You need to keep a journal of the things that not only that God is saying to you, but then just of what he's doing in your life. I've got books laying all over my house, like in my backpacks. I've got big journals. I've got these small journals that just fit in my back pocket. Half the time I've got this little journal, just like little, you know, write down some notes. God did something awesome. I write it down. Why? Well, because we forget. Because that's part of the curse. So I need to open up that book. I went to Dallas a few weeks ago, and I took a, a journal from 2014 with me. I just threw it in my bag. I thought, I'm just going to read through this and see what I see. It was cool because it was all preparation for us getting ready for Pakistan. So there was a lot in there about, you know, missions prep and getting ready for our hard work. And uh, this is cool. This is a good thing to be reading as I head into Dallas. Uh, but that's very practical. You need that. And when, when you feel comfortless... You should be able to pull that out and be reminded, oh, yeah, this is what God has been teaching me, showing me. He's consistent. He's faithful. This is what he's done. Also, practical, you should memorize the word. You should be hiding it in your heart. 
Because the work of the comforter is to bring to remembrance the things that, that you've received. Remember, the work of the comforter isn't to like do magic and make you remember the entire Bible. He says, you, do the, you memorize it, and when you need it, I'll bring it to you. So just give them something to pull up for you. Okay? So that's practical. You should be memorizing the word. Psalm 63. We don't have time to go there. You should just read it. It starts with a longing for God, and then it progresses into a desire to see his power as it has been seen before, David talks about in verse 6. He's just saying the same thing. I want to see, I'm remembering the things you've done before, and I want to see you repeat that in my life again. So Psalm 63 is, is, is homework. But the curse robbed us of our history. Without the curse... Uh, I'm sorry, without Christ, there's nothing to look back at that will bring any hope into the future. See, before the curse, Adam, Adam's history was all good and everything was perfect and he had perfect recall of all of that. The curse robbed us of that. For whatever reason, it's a lot easier for me to remember my failures sometimes. It's a lot easier for me to remember those bad decisions I made. It's a lot easier for me to remember the stupidity than it is to remember the things that God has been teaching me. Because the curse has robbed my mind. I need to renew my mind. Number three. Verse 53, horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. Verse 54, thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. And we want to focus here for just a minute. The next thing that brings us comfort is songs. You know this. Right? Like, y'all know the power of songs. When you're in your car or you're in your home, oh, look at that. Here we go. You guys are good. Uh, you know what happens when your song comes on, right? You're like, oh, yeah, this is my song. You turn it up and you'll start singing and dancing. Uh, whatever, whatever your type of music is or whatever your song is. And, and you know how music can move you, right? Like, not everyone's a musician. Maybe not everyone's, like, really musically gifted. But everyone seems to get moved by some kind of music. And you're singing it all loud at the stoplight. And then you, you realize your, your window's down. And the guy next to you is, like, staring at you. And you're like, it don't even matter. Like, just a small town girl living in a lonely world. Whatever it is. Like, that. I'll crank some journey. I'll, I'll start singing it. We were at... See, testify, wife. We were at the we were at the ice cream shop just the other day, and the car was was pulling out. It was like a high school kid. He jumped in. He turned on that song. It was Journey. And they like turned it up so loud that like everyone in the block could hear it. But then he was singing louder than the radio. He was like screaming it out of his car, and like I was at a picnic table eating ice cream. I was singing it. I don't know. I just had to. Uh, I think the guy who came walking out of the store was singing it. It was like, you know. So that's what music does to you. M music, because this is the way you were designed. You were actually designed for worship, okay? In, in, in original creation before sin, and obviously we see again, this is what the curse has robbed us of, is that you were designed to worship. You were designed to be a singer yourself. You're like, well, I'm way far from that. It's definitely a curse there. You hear me sing, you know the curse is real. Uh, and then some of us were like, well, apparently Rosie didn't get cursed because she actually sings like an angel. Like, well, okay. Whether you sing or not, you were designed to. 
God made you for worship. If we were to get real simple and boil everything down, why do you exist? What's the purpose of man? Worship. To bring glory back to God because he's worth it. There's a lot of ways that worship plays out and manifests, but that's as simple as I can make it for you. If you're not worshiping God, then you're not fulfilling the purpose for which you were created. Life gets tough. You're not living to the purpose you were built for. So songs impact us. Like, you know, just secular, whatever it is, songs. Doobie Brothers. I don't know. Whoever you are. Whatever. Good place to start? Pretty close? All right. But... Um, what are we really supposed to be talking about? Not to do because. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were designed for worship. Satan, who was, who was the original worship leader, uh, you know, stole God's worship, tried to steal God's worship. He was uh, kicked out because of that. Now he comes down and he convinces man as well to stop worshiping God and to steal God's worship through disobedience. And this is what Joel tells us in Joel chapter 1 and verse 12. At the end of the verse, it says, because joy is withered away from the sons of men. And he repeats that idea in, in Joel chapter 1 and verse 16, that joy has been stolen from us. And this, too, is a result of the curse, is that we have lost joy, the very thing that we were designed for. 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 6 is the first mention of joy. This is David after returning from killing Goliath, uh, and, and, he, and they begin to sing and, and dance, and, and there is music uh, and singing and dancing. It takes from Genesis 1-1 to 1 Samuel 18-6 before joy shows up in the Bible. Isn't that kind of crazy? That's a long time to be without joy. It's interesting to me, too, that David, one of our great types of Christ, is the first one to introduce joy into the history, the, the narrative of mankind. And it's after he's had victory over a great enemy. Then we get joy. Putting that together with me? Yeah. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 1 is the first time that song and sing are mentioned. They both show up in that verse. Again, kind of crazy that you go from Genesis 1-1 all the way to Exodus 15 before there's any songs or singing. It's a long time. That's actually a few thousand years of history. Uh, Moses has just delivered the nation through the Red Sea. And then they find a reason to sing. Psalms chapter 89 and verse 1, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Psalms 101.1, I will sing of the mercy and judgment. I will sing, I will sing of, of, yeah, of mercy and judgment. Unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. Psalm 106.1, praise ye the Lord. Give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. I, don't, I didn't put all this... All those songs. I just leave it right there. I didn't put all the psalms. I, I just tricked you. Psalms 147.1. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God. For it is pleasant and praise is comely. Now, science supports this. Science tells us that singing and music actually change our, uh, our, our, our brain chemistry. can actually bring comfort and make us happy. Uh, but listen, here's our key. Singing brings comfort but comfort should also result in singing. You see how this is, should work in our life? 
What does that mean? Isaiah 49, 13, sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing. The heavens and the earth break forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. When comfort comes to the people, singing comes out as a result. Isaiah 52, 9, break forth into singing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord hath comforted his people. Again, when comfort comes, the result of that should be singing. So what do we do with that practically? Number one, it means that you should be singing. You should have a habit. You should have a routine of, of bringing praise into your life because that's what you were built for. And it will bring comfort. When things are hard, when you feel like you want to cry, do something totally counterintuitive and start singing. And even better, start singing to the Lord. It will change your heart. It will bring comfort. This is the way that God has designed us. This is a rest from the curse. Some days make you want to cry. Well, if all you got is just a little kid song you learned in Sunday school, then break it out. Well, I don't even sing good. Well, God didn't ask you to. It's like just saying, bro. On the other side of that, what's that? That's right. Joyful noise. Now, on the other side of that, you get up and you're, you're doing your reading and like it's a decent day. I, I've got quiet time. The Lord is speaking to me. And then you go, wow, this is good. You know what that should result in? That, too, should drive you to singing. And this is, this is practical, and some of you are going to think it's crazy, but you know what? You should be writing praise to God. I'm not a, I'm like, I'm not a musician. I, uh, I don't know the science of music. Kenny tries to help me in men's choir sing, and he's like, that's just true. You actually, you suck. <laughs> and he's, but you know what? My wife doesn't even know, know like how deep it is. I write a lot of songs. Like, I'll read verses, and I'm like, I just have to sing it. Like, the way that those songs come alive in my mind is that all of a sudden they take a melody. I just start making stuff up, and I sing them to the Lord. Usually they don't come out loud. Sometimes they do. But you should be singing. And beyond that, you should be writing. And if all it is is you just take a verse and you just sing it back to God, that will change your perspective. It will drive comfort it will bring hope into your life. We must have worship in our life because it is, it is the very thing that God created us for. Verse 55, I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night and have kept thy law. Something else for you to just take. The names of God, which are many in the Bible, they bring comfort. Just another way that God will bring comfort in your life. Just study those out. See, the character of God manifests through his names. There is a character, quality, or trait of God that will match every problem you have. And this I had because I kept thy precepts. So those are three things that will bring us comfort. We have just a couple minutes as we wind down. And what I would like us to do for five minutes is just to get into small groups and as much as you're comfortable, you could focus on these three things, or if there's something else in your life that you found to bring comfort, just share that with somebody. 
right? Life, history, and singing are the things that we talked about. How do those play out in your life? Or maybe you want to say, hey, uh, I don't feel like I have comfort. Pray for me. Maybe it's a, a few minutes where you need to just take a minute and say, hey, pray for me. But I just want us to take a few minutes and get into small groups and, and do that. And, and then I'm not going to formally dismiss you from there. I just want you to take a minute to talk about what we had, have been talking about and just share the ideas of how do we get comfort? How do you get comfort in your life? Or how can you apply these three eight thoughts into your life to get comfort? I'm going to pray. And then I want you guys to just find some people and talk about it. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you gave us life forever. And that is the very foundation for our comfort. Thank you that you, you, you want to restore the history that we've lost and you give us a future and that you, you've designed us for worship. And I pray that we would worship and find comfort in, in knowing you and in singing to you in Jesus name. Amen.